right, well, I wanna welcome everyone today, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online, honored to have you with us. Also wanna take a moment, as I do every single week, and look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. I'm praying and believing that God would speak to you in right where you're at with exactly what you need to hear. And so come on, D-Town, and we welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. It's awesome. Well, today we are continuing on in our controversial Jesus series that we kicked off last week. And, and let me just say this week is a little, little bit unique as the title of the message is Jesus, Gender Dysphoria, and the Transgender Movement. Now, you might be new to Experience Church or you might be thinking, man, I never planned on ever hearing a message like this. I want you to know that we are in the same boat because just as you never planned on hearing a message like this, I never planned on preaching a message like this. In fact, there was no class that I took in Bible college that prepared me for this message. And some of us today might be asking the question, man, why are we taking the time to address these topics? Because it affects such a small percentage of the population. Now that might be true with, for those who maybe experience gender dysphoria or transgenderism, but 100% of the population is being confronted with the ideology. In fact, I would propose to us that, that Gen Z, nine year, from nine years old to 24 year olds, they're being confronted with these ideologies in a way most parents or even adults don't realize or even understand. And last week, I said this, but I'll, I think it bears repeating, and, and that is the, the world is not silent on these issues. Therefore, it would be foolish for the church to be silent on them. And so here's why we're talking about this today. Let's, let's lay a foundation for us to build on. And by starting out, by taking a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it starts off by saying, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And so as followers of Jesus, this is our goal, to revere Christ as Lord, that he's God and we're not, that we follow Jesus and his ways. He doesn't follow us in our ways. And we need to know that there is constant conflict between the word and the world, that there, there's what the world says and then there's what the word of God says. And there's constant conflict between what people say in the world and what God says in his word. And the decision that each and every one of us have to make is will we allow the world to override the word or will we allow the word to override the world? And as followers of Jesus, our goal is that we would revere Christ as Lord that we wouldn't be led by our emotions or our opinions or our desires, but in our hearts, revering Christ as Lord. It goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, it's our job as Christians to be able to explain, here's why we believe what we believe. But then the Bible also tells us how we should do it, but do this with gentleness and respect. As we look at Christians today, there are those who just won't address these issues. But then on the other hand, we have Christians who will address it, but they don't do it with gentleness and respect. And so my goal today, as we talk about these more sensitive, controversial topics, that we would do it with both gentleness and respect. 
Now, I do have a special request for you today. I've never asked uh, you to do this in the history of the church, but usually during the messages, we like to engage and respond and, and clap and say amen, and every once in a while, I'll get a preacher white boy from you guys, and I absolutely love that. I'm a people guy, and, and I loved hearing you being engaged. I think it pre makes me preach better and faster, but today I do have a unique request. I'm going to ask you not to respond during the message today until the very end of the message. I'll give you the green light to respond to it, but, but we want to emulate what 1 Peter chapter 3 is telling us, that we would, we would talk about these, these subjects with gentleness and respect, and what I, the reason why I'm asking you to do this is I wouldn't want someone who maybe is dealing with these issues or it's close to home for them to take to misinterpret your enthusiasm as being against them. And so, if you could do me a favor and just re, just remain silent during the message till I give you the green light. But as we go on this journey together, I think it's important that we do two things. First, that we don't just look at these topics from our perspective or our point of view, but we would do our best to try and understand what somebody else is going through and how they feel. Maybe these topics are, seem distant. Maybe there's no one that you know that are struggling or, or are dealing with these issues and it can seem a little distant from you, but, but how many of us know it's different? It's different than when it's close to home. Like it just hits differently. And I've talked to parents. I've I've talked to individuals who are, are, are dealing with these issues and, and going through these things. And, and so our hope and, and our goal as, as followers of Jesus is that we'd have empathy. And what are they going through? How do they feel? And, and then the second thing I want to encourage us to do is regardless of uh, what we think, regardless of how we feel, that we would go on this journey of submitting to the truth of what God's word says. That is the goal. And so as we dive into these topics, uh, we're going to do it with, with, with gentleness and respect. And, and before we do, I don't want to just be hopeful today. I also want to be helpful. And so if you would like more resources, maybe to help some, uh, answer some questions that you might have, you can text the word TOOLS to 94000. Or if you are in the Experience Church app and you're taking notes there, there's a resources button that you can click on. And, and me and, and my team, along with some other churches, we have compiled some resources to help maybe answer some questions that you might have uh, on these issues. And so let's start off by defining some of these topics and terms so that we can all be on the same page, starting with sex. How do we define this? Well, we would define sex as male or female typically with reference to chromosomes, internal repro uh, reproductive uh, anatomy, and external genitals. So when a child is born, their sex is identified, not assigned. Their sex is identified based on anatomy. And for decades, sex and gender identities have always been viewed as one and the same. But here in the last 10 to 15, 20 years, there has been a strong push for gender to be separated from the context of sex, which leads us to our next definition, and that is gender identity. We would define this as a, a person's self-perception of whether they are male or female, masculine or feminine. So what we need to understand is, is that right there is the foundation of the transgender movement, the idea that gender identity is a separate concept from sex. 
In fact, some advocates of the transgender movement uh, are pushing and lobbying for a genderless society where instead of gender being viewed as binary, male and female, that gender is more of a, of a spectrum and people at different times in their life can move along this spectrum and they should be considered non-binary. Well, now, since the foundation of the transgender movement is trying to separate gender identity and sex, when you take biology out of it, then you have to strongly rely upon stereotypes. For example, I do want to show us a magazine cover of Vanity Fair back in 2015 that was super controversial. We won't keep it up there for long, but it's of Caitlyn Jenner. And what's interesting is that, that feminists argue that Caitlyn Jenner undid one, in one magazine cover what feminists have been working to do for the past 150 years, which was remove stereotypes, meaning that there was nothing about Caitlyn Jenner's biology that said that she was female. And so what this magazine cover does is it communicates these stereotypes that girls are people who like long hair, lipstick, and pretty dresses. In fact, Rebecca McLaughlin points out that if we separate gender from sex, all we're left with is stereotypes. Now, let me speak to the, maybe the parents just for a moment, because some parents might be asking the question, like, what if my son or my daughter are really into things that are typically liked more by the opposite sex? For example, like, what if my daughter wants to wrestle and my son wants to do dance classes? Does that mean that my child is transgender or non-binary? And the answer to that question is no. That's not what that means at all, because there's a difference between gender and gender stereotypes. Gender is biologically defined and it's fixed. It's a biological reality. You either have XY chromosomes or XX chromosomes, whereas gender stereotypes are culturally constructed and they change in different cultures and in different times. I'll give us a couple examples. First, let's take a look at this quote from the 1918 Ladies Home Journal. It says, pink, being a more decided and strong color is more suitable for boys, while blue, which is more delicate and dinky, is prettier for a girl. Here's the point. Gender stereotypes change in different times and in different cultures. The Bible is another great example of this. There, there are many times in Scripture where men and women do things that would be opposite of our 21st century American gender stereotypes. Like men in the Bible weep, they embrace one another, they greet each other with a holy kiss, which don't do that to me in the lobby, fellas, I'm just saying. I'll even give us a specific example in the Old Testament with two twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. Take a look at Genesis chapter 25, verse 27. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. They don't fit into the traditional stereotypes, but both of them are men. Then women, on the other hand, in the Bible, many of them were leaders. Like, like, like Deborah led troops into battle. Women built businesses. In fact, you can read about it uh, on your own. But in Luke chapter 8, the Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna played a major role in funding Jesus' public ministry. 
And so here's my point, that there's a difference between gender and gender stereotypes. And gender stereotypes change in their expression in different times and in different cultures. And so what we need is, is broader definitions for male and female because we have men who don't like trucks or guns or sports, but they like cooking and the arts. And if you're a girl that likes action movies, watching football and eating steaks, that doesn't mean you're non-binary. That means you're awesome. <laughs> Which leads us to our third definition, and that is gender dysphoria. We would define this as the sense of a mismatch between physical sex, body, and the psychological gender identity, mind. The concept of gender dysphoria and the transgender movement is that there's this war going on between our mind and our bodies. Wait a second. I feel like I've, I feel like I've read that somewhere before. I feel like I've read about this war going on between our minds and our bodies. Where have I read that? Oh, yeah, the Bible. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 23. Paul says it like this. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in my body, warring against the law of my mind and holding me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. So not only does the transgender community say that there's a war between our minds and our bodies, but Christians also say that there's a war going on between our minds and our bodies. That the entire Christian life is this war between our identity and who God says that we are and our behavior and what we do. So here's what this means. That Christians, we as Christians, we should have compassion on people who experience gender dysphoria. Because even though we offer a different solution, we can understand the battle and the war that's happening within us. Now, all that building to our fourth and final definition, and that is of transgender. How do we define this? Transgender is an umbrella term for many experiences of gender identity that do not align normatively with a person's biological sex. Now, once again, let me just remind us today that there's a difference between the word and the world. And there's constant conflict between what Christ says in the word and what people say in the world. And once again, the decision that we have to make is, will the word override the world or will the world override the word? And so when we get to this definition, there is a fundamental difference between what the world says and what the word of God says about personhood. And so let's first take a look at the world's view of personhood. There's this diagram, and I wanted to see that the world thinks that there are two totally separate parts of us, right? There's the mind that's separate from the body, that our personhood is really in our minds, that this is the part of us that really matters. This is who we really are, and this has moral and legal standing. Then there's our body, which is separate, and this part of us doesn't really matter. It's meaningless, and it's this expendable uh, biological organism, I, 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 this is the this view of personhood is what the transgender movement is really all about, and I want to point out that this is essentially Darwinian evolutionary thought, because Darwin, who created the Big Bang theory, said there is no God, and so if God didn't create us and we just evolved out of nothing, then our body means nothing, and we can do whatever we want with our body. 
And that's the world's view of personhood. And we need to understand that, that the word of God has a very different view of personhood and who we are. So let's take a look at, at what God's word says, and then we'll look at a diagram of the, the Bible's view of personhood. But let's start out Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. And so the word of God tells us that we were made in God's image, in our likeness, so that they may rule, rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created. The Bible says that the physical part of us is not meaningless, that our body was created by the creator of the universe, the living God. And we weren't just created by him, but we were made in God's own image. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the word of God has a very different view of who we are. It says that we were created in God's own image, that the physical part of us really, really matters. And so let's take a look at the word's view of personhood. And so where the world has this view that we are a, a disintegrated people, that the word has this view of who we are, that our mind and our body are actually integrated, that they both matter. That Christians have this high view of the human body because we were created in God's own image. And so once again, there's the, the world's view and then there's the word's view. And they're actually opposite of each other. Now, as we talk about transgenderism, uh, it, it's not just an experience that people have. I think it's important to point out it's also become a movement. We, we need to recognize this. For example, right now, there are skyrocketing rates of people, especially in Gen Z, nine years old to 24-year-olds, to identifying as LGBTQIA+. And an estimated 20% of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ, 20%. And the reason why I'm pointing out these statistics is this is, this is a movement. It's a movement because the rate of people uh, 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 who are experiencing same-sex attraction, that would be the L and the G, lesbian and gay, the percentage of people who are experiencing same-sex attraction is actually, over the past two decades, that number is actually staying the exact same. What's massively skyrocketing is the number of people identifying as transgender or all the letters past that. We see this primarily in young teenage girls. In fact, Abigail Schreier, who's an Ivy League educated, non-Christian sociologist, journalist, and researcher says that transgenderism among adolescents right now is contagious. She actually uses the word epidemic that's being spread by two means. Number one, immense social media immersion, primarily TikTok, and then number two, relationships. Seeing young adolescent girls that, that they just want a sense of worth and identity that they wanna be affirmed, celebrated, validated, and have a sense of belonging. Now, like any movement, there's pushback against this movement, but what's interesting to me is who the primary people are who are pushing back against the transgender movement, and it's, the, it's actually women's rights activists. This was kind of shocking to me, but they're pushing back against the transgender movement for two main reasons. First, they point out that male to female transgender people like Rachel Levine, 
Caitlyn Jenner or Leah Thomas when they're nominated for or win things like woman of the year or athlete of the year. They point out that when this happens, what's being communicated to young girls is that actually men are better at being women than they are. Secondly, they point out that the entire women's rights movement was formed because uh, women were a class that needed protected and advocated for. And they point out that how can you protect a class of people you can't even define? Like if you can't answer the question, what is a woman? How can you advocate for the rights of women? And so that's the kind of the, the definition part of the message. And up until this point, we've been kind of analyzing this as a movement and an issue, but but for many people, I think it's important to point out that this is not a movement. This is not an issue, but it's a, a deeply personal and painful experience. Like, like here, here's the question for, for someone that is identifying as transgender or, or wrestling with gender identity. And that is, how do I resolve the war that's going on inside of me? In other words, they're asking the question, how can I just be happy? In fact, Leah Thomas, who was the, the male to female transgender swimmer for the University of Pennsylvania and competed as a male swimmer, then transitioned to a female and swam and won the nationals on the women's swim team. When Leah won nationals, Leah was asked the question, why did you want to become transgender? And here's what Leah said. I just wanted to be happy. So here's the question. Like if our, if our mind and our body feels out of alignment, how do we resolve the tension that's happening on the inside of us? How, how do we resolve this tension so that somebody can be happy? Now, we need to know that the word and the world are going to provide very different answers to that question. In fact, the world would say this. If the mind and body feel out of alignment, the world would say, listen to your mind and change your body. Listen to your mind and change your body. But the word of God says something completely different. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, Paul saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so when the mind and body are out of alignment, the world says, listen to your mind and change your body. But the word of God says, embrace your body and renew your mind. That God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can come into our lives and begin to renew our mind and bring our minds in alignment with our fixed biological reality. Now, now something that I do wanna point out is that mind renewal and bringing our minds in alignment with our bodies is actually a normal practice in the medical field for all sorts of issues. For example, if an anorexic 85-pound teenager walks into the doctor's office and says, hey, doc, I weigh 85 pounds, and I feel like I'm extremely overweight, a loving doctor would never say, well, if that's what your mind is telling you, let's put you on diet pills, let's do liposuction, and let's have a stomach-binding surgery. They would never do that. Instead, a loving doctor would say, let's work on the mind to bring it into alignment with their body instead of trying to change the body to match the mind. 
In fact, studies show that 80% of individuals who struggle with gender dysphoria will actually age out of gender dysphoria if they're just left alone. This is not just Christians who are saying this. In fact, here's a quote from Dr. Paul McHugh, who is a Johns Hopkins psychologist. He said, treatment should not be directed at the body as with surgery and hormones any more than one treats obesity, fearing anorexic patients with liposuction. The treatment should strive to correct the false problematic nature of the assumption, the mind. I just want to take a second. I want to speak to parents who, who might be in the middle of this, trying to navigate and figure out what's best for your kids. You might have a, a child telling you that they want to make a transition. Some parents might be, have been, even been told that, that you have to affirm your child's decision or they might take their own life. In fact, uh, in the transgender community, 40, there's a 40% suicide rate compared to a 4% suicide rate in, in the general population. And so maybe you've been told that you, you have to, to affirm your child because you can, you can either have a living son or a dead daughter. I wanted to take a moment just firmly say that is that's absolutely a lie. In fact, some a lot of statistics are saying otherwise. In fact, some studies are saying that suicide rates are even higher after gender affirming care has been given. Secondly, I would like to say that's that's emotional terrorism. Like, like for example, uh, if I would go to my wife, imagine if I went to my wife, Justina, and I said, I have these biological urges. I just have to sleep with, with other women. In fact, these urges are so strong that if I can't act on them, then I'm going to take my life. So, honey, you can either have a living, adulterous husband, or you can have a dead, monogamous one. And Justina would say, I choose B. Every time, I choose B. Now, now that's the, the silent part of the message. You guys can clap now and respond now for the rest of the time. I'll give you the green light to do that, but... I do want to take a moment, kind of close today for the rest of our time, and I want to speak to, to those of us, maybe, maybe you've already gone down this road. Maybe you've been wrestling with your, your gender identity, or maybe you've started to transition. And the final question I kind of want to answer is, if I've already gone down this road, can I still be redeemed by God? Does God still love me? Does God still have a plan for my life? And I want us to know today that there is actually a passage of scripture just for you. It's found in Acts chapter 8, and, and for the sake of time, I'll kind of summarize the, the story. But in Acts chapter 8, God sends an angel of the Lord to an apostle named Philip. And the angel of the Lord tells, Philip is in the city of Jerusalem, and the angel of the Lord tells Philip to leave the city and start walking down this desert road. Philip doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know how long he's going to be on this road. In fact, the Bible tells us, or historians, I should say, believe that he walked for about 60 miles. I don't know. That's commitment right there. Like, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know how, I'm, how long I'm going to be on this road. And Philip ends up walking 60 miles before he gets to the place God wanted him to get. And the Bible tells us that after he walked 60 miles, he came across a, a, a man who was an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, now, just so we're on the same page, a eunuch in that culture was a person whose genitals had been cut, crushed, or pierced to sterilize, feminize, and remove their masculinity. It, it was basically an ancient form of sexual alteration surgery. And Philip meets this eunuch on this road. 
And the Bible tells us that this eunuch was an important official from the capital of Ethiopia. And so this, this eunuch apparently at some point came to this, this, this thought thinking to himself, maybe I've made a mistake with some of the choices that I've made in my life. Maybe I've made a mistake of what I've done to my body. I wonder if God still loves me. I wonder if God still has a plan for my life. And so this eunuch travels over a thousand miles from Ethiopia to the city of Jerusalem to go to the temple and worship God. But the Bible tells us that the eunuch was returning to Ethiopia. He wasn't going to Jerusalem. He was returning. And the reason why the Bible says this is because historians tell us that on the outside of the temple would have been this sign saying that, that no lame, no diseased, no blind, and no eunuchs are allowed inside. And so this man wasn't allowed to enter into the presence of God. Maybe some of us have gone down a path, whether it's in your sexuality or something else outside of God's plan, and you're wondering the same thing. Does God still love me? Does God, does God still have a plan for my life? Can God still redeem my life? And maybe even some of the people who were supposed to represent God to you might have even said, you're not allowed to worship God. You don't belong here. And this eunuch had traveled over a thousand miles to go worship God. He had seen this sign, no eunuchs allowed, and he was thinking about his scars from his cut, pierced, and, and scarred self. And in Acts chapter 8, God sends an angel to send Philip to walk down this desert road 60 miles. And when he got up to this chariot that the, the eunuch was sitting in, the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible tells us, says, go and talk to him. As Philip walks up to the chariot, he can hear this eunuch reading the Bible. He's actually reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip goes, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, I could understand it a lot better if you would explain it to me. And so Philip jumps up into the chariot, and I want us to take a look at the passage of scripture that this eunuch was reading. Isaiah chapter 53, verse five. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Think about what is happening in this moment. This man feeling hopeless, rejected, questioning the choices that he's made in his life, going back to Ethiopia, and God sends an angel to send a prophet, a man of God, go chase down my son, and you tell him, you tell him that his life is not defined by his scars, his life is defined by Jesus' scars. And I don't know who he needs to hear that today, but your life's not defined by your scars, your life is defined by his scars. God was reminding this eunuch that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want us to know today that no matter what we've done or where we've been in our lives, that our scars don't define us, his do. And you need to know this about Experience Church. If you identify a certain way or if you struggle in your gender, we will not mock you, ridicule you, or talk down to you, but we will love you, we will love you, we will love you, we will love you, we will love you. Just like we do for everybody else who all kinds, has all kinds of issues. How many of we all got issues? 
We all got stuff, and we are not going to make the mistake here at Experience Church by maybe judging someone on their behavior, but just holding ourselves to kind of our intentions. I don't mean we judge other people's behavior, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. No, we're going to love everybody because we all got stuff. And so we're going to love you, but at the same time, we're going to counsel you to bring your mind in alignment with your body and receive the identity that God has given to you. Listen, you are not who you say that you are. You are not who people say that you are. You are who God says that you are. Amen? Come on, would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for this beautiful story. In Acts chapter 8, we sent an angel. But you didn't just send your angel, Father, to, to this eunuch. You sent your angel to one of your sons, Philip, to be your representative of what it means to love, of what it means to go after, of what it means to serve, of what it means to speak life and truth and freedom, to remind this eunuch of why Jesus came. Father, I pray that we would be that kind of church. That you could send an angel to us and we'll go to love those who are struggling to go bring hope to the hopeless and freedom to the captive. Because God, you loved us in some of our darkest moments. You believed in us when we didn't believe in ourselves. You came to us when we were bound in our sin and our shame and all of our struggles. And yet you believed in us you loved us where we were at, but you loved us enough not to let us stay there. And you brought hope and you brought freedom and you brought life. And God, our, our heart today, as your people, as your church, to use us to love those around us, struggling with whatever, because we all have stuff, God. Father, right now, I just pray for those who maybe are struggling, maybe in their gender, maybe, maybe struggling with the war between their mind and their bodies. The world says one thing, but God, we, we make the decision today let, to let your word override what the world says. To offer our bodies, to renew our minds, to change our minds, to bring them in alignment with our bodies. God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would strengthen us today. If we're in that fight, no matter where we're at, if we're in that battle, God, you would give us the strength. God, that you would give us the words to come alongside those who might be struggling, to love people because you loved us, God. Unconditional grace, uncompromising truth, God. It's who you've called us to be. But for those of us who might say today that for whatever reason, you've known about God, but you've never entered into a relationship with God. Maybe you felt unworthy. Maybe you felt disqualified. Maybe like the eunuch, God's people have told you you don't belong. God's running after you, reminding you he loves you, he believes in you, he has a plan for you, and it starts with a relationship with him. To revere Christ as Lord, here's my life. Here's my heart, what you've always wanted, God. I want to know you and the freedom and the purpose and the meaning and the life that you have for me. So if you don't have a relationship with God today, and you would say, I, I want one, Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven right where you're at? 
as a sign of surrender and as a sign, God, I want to know you. Maybe you're watching online right now, right where you're at, just lifting your hand. Here I am, God. I don't understand everything. I don't know it all, but I know you are the answer. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer and say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who was crushed, who was pierced, who died on a cross so I could have a life I never thought possible. God, right now in this place, here's my life. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live, God. My life is yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all I did today. So good.